Doubtless, there will be many homilies given today that focus on the role of Peter as the first pope. The Church has for centuries interpreted Matthew 16, 13 through 20 as the source text for the, primary, for the primacy of papal authority. We even have a special feast dedicated for this occasion called the Chair of St. Peter. The historical development of these traditions is indeed worth delving into. However, we wouldn't want to overlook the importance of another aspect of today's gospel in doing so. While researching the relevant topics in preparation for my homily, I came across a translation of the readings, which were, to put it bluntly, an aberration of the original text, in particular the gospel. We just heard Peter proclaim that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus, in turn, tells Peter that he is rock, and upon this rock he will build his church. The Greek used here to describe church is ekklesia, ek meaning out, and kaleo meaning to call, literally to be called out of. The translation I mentioned earlier rendered this word as community. Why is this an aberration? The difference lies in the fact of each one's purpose and intention. A community exists for and by the people, who unite around a common goal. Church, on the other hand, exists for and by God, who calls the individuals out of the world to be witnesses of him. God is not a goal to be reached or the object of our initial inquiry. At the sec as the second reading implies, Everything there is comes from him and is caused by him and exists for him. God in himself is incomprehensible, and so he does not make himself known without his willing it in the first place. Remember Jesus' answer to Peter's confession of faith. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed, has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The foundation of our faith is fundamentally a gift from God. Our access to this gift reveals that the Church is the body of Christ and not a conscious choice on our part to be joined to God. God knew us before time began and called us out of nothing to contemplate himself in us. Even though we are not conscious of this first encounter, Divine revelation gives us the means to contemplate its reality and return to our source. The Greek word for revelation, apocalypsis, literally means to remove the cover of something, thus exposing what was previously hidden to the senses. This, combined with the notion of ecclesia, shows us that Jesus is intending to reveal the true nature of his divinity through Peter and the apostles. Actually, we can go even further. Jesus is intending to reveal us to ourselves as members of his one body. After all, this is the real definition of church. If we are the body of Christ, then the fullness of God's revelation is yet to be realized in all its individual parts. Until the end of time, each baptized Christian extends this real revelation further. When Jesus declares, I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, he is not simply name-calling or using a figure of speech. 
as the Father revealed to Peter the true nature of Christ, so Jesus reveals to Peter his own nature and purpose in the mind of God. Likewise, each one of us has a special mission in life to fulfill. As we hear in the Gospel, the means for acquiring knowledge of God's will is first and foremost an openness to divine revelation. We do this primarily through prayer, both uh, private and liturgical, and attentive reading of the scriptures. However, it is necessary to cultivate a certain attitude, a willingness to set aside our own desires to accomplish the will of God. We call this docility. To be docile is to be led by the Holy Spirit. But what does this look like? Well, to be practical, we could apply this principle to the working of the conscience. For instance, the next time we feel ourselves drawn to do something good for someone else, clean our room, uh, set aside an hour for prayer, go to daily mass, etc., then chances are God is actually speaking to us interiorly. Obviously, if any of those options, nice as they sound, conflict with our current obligations, then we can discern that the inspiration is probably not from God. But how many times do we go about our day knowing what course of action is the right one, and instead we choose to ignore it or do what's easier and more convenient? If we find it difficult to submit our wills to God's will, let us remember that it is always his intention for us to become all we were made to be, Choosing the right path, no matter how hard, will in the end fulfill us and satisfy our purpose for existing. This does require effort on our part to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. So, as we draw near to Christ in the Eucharist, let us ponder his will for us and take heed to follow the psalmist's warning. If today you hear the voice of the Lord, harden not your hearts.